0: Well, good morning and uh, welcome everyone, whether you're, whether you're joining us uh, online via Zoom or whether you're here in the church, it's fantastic to, to, to see you and to be with you. Um, we, we have a sort of a growing number of people in church here today, which is great to see. Um, so we're going we'll, to carry on sort of meeting online and in person in church as long as we need to, because uh, that's, that's what we will seek to do. Um, it's really good to have uh, family and friends of uh, Frida Hammond uh, here today. It's great to see you, Debbie and uh, uh, Kyla and uh, Jean. It's great to have you with us. Just a reminder to, to everyone, unfortunately, the, the crematorium for Frida's service on Tuesday is, is full. Um, but if you would like to attend online, please uh, contact Evelyn and she will send you the, the online link. Uh, for the service at three o'clock this Tuesday. So if you contact Evelyn, uh, she she will pick up the message today. um, or Sorry, tomorrow when she comes to work. And then you can sign yourself in uh, to watch that online. And we'll be obviously in in our prayers today. We'll be praying for for that service and and for the family uh, as they say goodbye to and release uh, Frida into God's loving care. Um, I'm going to hand over to Steve, who's going to lead us in worship. Just a reminder that uh, we 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 are still in a position where we're not we're not under government regulations allowed to allowed to sing. But if you want, obviously, if you're singing in your head, which is what I tend to do, or you can clap, you can move, you can do whatever you like, but uh, just uh, keep the uh, don't don't sing, please. So uh, that's. Uh, we're not allowed to. So uh, just, to, just to remind uh, people and do keep your
1: masks on um, all the way through uh, the service. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Lovely to see you all here this morning, it's amazing. We were saying um, for, for those of us in church, how nice it was to hear everybody just chatting before the service um, and to hear you all on Zoom because we could hear you in the church as well. So um, it was just fantastic. And isn't that God amazing? He's doing amazing things in this world still, and we just want to come and give him praise and thanksgiving. So please join us as we we sing to you. Um, uh, Those at home can sing your heads off. Those in the church, unfortunately, you, you can't, as Martin was just saying. But come, people of the risen King. We serve a risen King, don't we, this morning. And so we just want to give him his praise.
2: to receive all honor and glory and praise and majesty
1: Father God, we thank you that we we know that you have a plan and a purpose. Lord, that every every strand, every part of our life is, is, is woven into your tapestry of grace. And Lord, we thank you and we praise you for that. Yeah. Lord, we just want to come now with our prayers of thanksgiving and praise. Mm-hmm. Um, and our prayers of petition as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lord, as we, as we just open it up, Lord, for those on Zoom... Um, If you want to unmute yourself and give your prayers, then please do. For those in the church, then if you want to uh, pray out loud, then please raise your hand and Alison will come along with the microphone. Um, But let's just give our prayers of thanksgiving and praise. This morning we've talked about a holy God. Holy, holy, holy is our Lord. And so let's just give him the glory that is due his name.
3: Oh, Lord, I praise you for the beautiful sun, um, for the bird song, for the blossom. Um, the world keeps turning and the seasons keep arriving, Lord. Thank you.
0: Some words from Psalms 39. Lord... Let me know my end and what is the measure of my days let me know how fleeting my life is my lifetime is nothing in thy sight a mere breath surely man goes about as a shadow man heaps up and knows not who will gather and now lord for what do i wait my hope is in thee
4: amen Oh, Lord, it's just so good to meet together this morning, Lord, to praise your name, to lift your name on heart to declare that you are our Lord, you're our God, you're our Savior, Lord, you're a holy God, we can't come into your presence and praise you, but because of your love, because of Jesus, we're able to do that, Lord, just... Be with us this morning, Lord. Be with us as we worship you, as we hear from your word, Lord, as we just be, spend time with you, knowing that you are with us. You're completely for us, Lord. It's nothing of us, but it's all of you and your love and your grace that you've poured out, Lord. We just thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your an amazing love. Hallelujah. Praise your name. Amen.
0: Yes, Father, we, we just we, we just thank you for this time of year, for longer days, for the sunshine, for for the hints of your glory in, in creation, Lord. There is so much for us to be thankful for. Lord, we thank you that we're able to begin to meet again uh, in person. And Lord, we, we ask for your blessing on, on our nation, that, Lord, that things would continue to, to ease, that, Lord, that you would just regather your church in fellowship and in worship again. Lord, we just pray for this Tuesday as we, as we gather uh, to online and some, some in person um, to celebrate and give thanks for life of Frieda on Tuesday. Lord, we, we just thank you for her beautiful Christ-like character. Thank you, Lord, for her love and just the person that she was and now is in eternity with you, Jesus. And we just we just thank you that we know that she's with you jesus we thank you that because of her faith she is now free of all suffering all pain and all sorrow but lord we do pray for debbie and the family at this time we ask you lord to to comfort them to be with them through your spirit lord and that as they prepare for tuesday and as they go through the day on tuesday lord be especially close to them as they journey through their grief and help them to release Frida into your hands, Lord, knowing that she is safe with you for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.
4: Lord Jesus, as we collectively live out these days of the book of Revelation, one thing we can rely upon is yourself
0: for that. We praise you. You give us the very bread and wine Mm -hmm. when we take communion in remembrance of you. Mm -hmm. You answer our prayers often. You also have the knowledge not to answer them when it wouldn't be good for us. We thank you. You are above all things. Mm -hmm. You are the master of all things, the king of all things. And you can make and break the rules as you wish. Thank you, Lord, for all of this. Amen. Amen.
1: Father God, we just bring to you the nation of India. Mm -hmm. Lord, the people there are suffering so much. They're short of oxygen. They're short of hospital beds. They're short of doctors and nurses. The death rate is, is just staggering. Father, we can't begin to comprehend a solution, but, Father, it is in your hands. And so we do pray that some some way the situation might improve, that uh, they might have the resources that they need, that you you will just bring your healing to that land. And we pray, too, for people in this country who have relatives in India who must be beside themselves with worry and anxiety. Father, come close to them, bless them, give them your peace. Just intervene in this situation. So ask in Jesus' name. Yes.
3: Amen. Amen. Lord, we also pray for um, those Christians working in India, many, many Christians uh, working in the um, health sector. And, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit, that the example of these selfless people um, will wipe through that uh continent that will um touch the lives of those people that they will see the truth um of your word um, yeah. and will see you reflected in the people that are treating them in the people that are helping them and the people that are trying to yeah. find oxygen etc lord yes. please bless all those working there and help them to spread your word mm-hmm. amen, amen.
2: Dear Lord, I just want to thank you for answered prayer. I just want to thank you that my mum was uh, brought home from hospital on Friday, um, back to her home following her operation. And we just pray now for a speedy recovery. Thank you for your answers to prayer, Lord, always. Amen.
1: so, Father, this morning, we want to just give you praise and thanksgiving. Lord, we do pray for our nation. Lord, we pray for for you to change um, the situation in this nation, Lord, that uh, you would just allow your Holy Spirit to move upon this land, to change hearts. Lord, through all of this pandemic and everything we've been through, Lord, we want people to turn to you. And so, Lord, we just ask that as we continue on through our service, Lord, you would just open our eyes and areas ears and our hearts yes. to your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So now we have um, a another of Mark's wonderful talks um, coming up,
4: hopefully, next thing. Morning, everyone. <laughs> Today, we're starting a new preaching series in the book of Ecclesiastes. As an introduction to the book, Martin will be speaking on the futility of life. Well, the futility of life without God, that is. So this morning, I thought we'd take a look at how God created the world, how it was meant to be, the purpose of life and what happened to produce this meaninglessness so when it all started there was nothing at all just a massive void but God was there and he decided he wanted to do something about it he wanted to make something and do you know how he did it well he just spoke and things happened the first thing he said was let there be light, and guess what? All of a sudden, a great light appeared, brighter than anything you can imagine. Next, he thought it would be good to bring some order to the void. So he said, I think I'd like some sky above, separated from the void below, which I would call water. The sky appeared, a brilliant pale blue, and the water below, a dark blue ocean what can i do next god thought i think we need something dry the ocean is great but i want some earth so god spoke again and sure enough the seas parted and dry land appeared brown earth and dark gray rocks separating the oceans what about some color i'd like some colors immediately plants started to grow green grass covered the ground Then all types of flowers with different coloured blossoms, reds and purples, yellows and oranges, all different shades, more colours than you could possibly imagine. And great trees with green leaves and brown branches. God looked down and saw that it was beautiful, but thought, I haven't finished yet. I need to do something about this light and dark. It can't just be random. Let's make the sunshine in the day and the moon to watch over the night in the darkness. Then they can take it in turns, night and day, and during the night I'll make stars to accompany the moon. Then God said, I want to create living creatures, but where should I start? I created the water first, maybe I should start there. So he spoke to the oceans, and suddenly it was teeming with fish, shrimps and dolphins, whales splashing through the waves and swimming silently in the deep. Excellent, God thought. Now for the sky. I want some birds. And out to the cloud flew all sorts of different flying things. Big ones, small ones, fast ones, slow ones, birds that flew high, birds that flew low. God continued. On the land, I want walking things, running things, jumping things, crawling things, things that live underground and things that climb trees. Two legs, four legs, eight legs. I will call them animals and sure enough out they came, insects and spiders, monkeys and gorillas, lions and elephants and so many more that they're impossible to name and God was pleased. The next morning God looked down on his creation and saw that it was good but he thought to himself there's still something missing. I would like some friends, someone that I can talk to, so once again He spoke to the earth. Man and woman, he said, and up from the dust they came. He said to the man, you are Adam, and to the woman, you are Eve. Now look at this wonderful world I've created. It's teeming with life, animals and plants, birds and fish. I want you to enjoy everything here and to look after it for me. Can you do that? God thought to himself, this is really good. It's the way it's meant to be. So God created Adam and Eve. He created people to be in a relationship with him, to be his friends. He gave them the Garden of Eden to live in and to look after, and God walked and talked with them. It was perfect, but then something happened and it all went wrong you see God did not want robots that would do everything he said because they had to he wanted people to choose to love him and to be his friend so God made a special tree in the garden it was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and God gave Adam and Eve one instruction they must not eat from this tree because if they did they would die anyway After a while, a serpent, which was in fact the devil, whispered to Eve and told her to eat from the forbidden tree. The fruit looked really amazing. The devil tricked Eve. He said that she would not die if she ate from it. So she did. And then she gave some to Adam and he ate it too. Later, when God came to the garden to meet them, they hid because they had no clothes on. And they were embarrassed. God called to them and they came out from their hiding place wearing leaves for clothes. Of course, God knew what they had done. Eve explained that the serpent had tricked her, so God cursed it. And then he said to Adam and Eve, you have disobeyed me. Disobeying God is what we call sin. I gave you all of this, God said, yet you still chose your own way you can no longer live in my garden pain and sickness toil and trouble death will enter the world because of what you have done so god banished them from the garden man's relationship with god was broken and the futility of life began you see we were created to be in a relationship with God for eternity. The whole purpose of life is to love and serve God. Without that relationship, nothing we do really makes any difference at all. Life is meaningless and futile. But God, in his great love and mercy, made a way for us to come back into relationship with him, for us to have meaningful purposeful lives. He sent his son, Jesus, to pay the price for Adam and Eve's sin and for all of our sins. As we saw a couple of weeks ago at Easter, Jesus' death paid our debt and his resurrection restores our relationship with God forever. Now, here's a question. Do you want to have a purpose in life? Do you want your life to be fulfilled? Do you want to experience the joy of being in a relationship with a loving Heavenly Father? All you have to do is to choose Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. Why not do that this morning?
1: Thanks, Mark. That's amazing, <laughs> as always. Right, so this morning we're starting, as, as Martin has said, and as Mark has said, a new, a new series in Ecclesiastes. Um, and we're just taking the first two verses from Ecclesiastes chapter 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Let's pray for Martin as he comes to speak. Father God, we thank you for your word. Lord, would you just open it up to us? Give us ears to hear. Give us hearts to respond, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: When asked um, whether they think about the meaning and purpose of life, about three-quarters of people across the globe say that they do often or sometimes. Um, That's in surveys. And this last year that we've had has caused many people to re-evaluate the meaning and purpose of their life, hasn't it? In conversation with family, work, colleagues, friends, you will often hear people talk about the fact that they've rediscovered the value of friendships, of family, of the simple pleasures of life. Um, I think something we've discovered as a family is baking um, and cooking. Um, I think it's fair to say, we've got a little bit lazy um, with with cooking and we've kind of rediscovered the joy of baking and finding a real joy and and purpose in that. I don't know what uh, you've got into, but uh, maybe you've bought an instrument not looking at anybody back there, Jasper, but um, maybe, maybe you're choosing uh, to focus on a new skill. You know, you're, you're, you're getting creative in the garden or whatever it is. But it, for all of us, it's really challenged. What are, what are the things that really matter most in life, has not it? And that's applied to our workplaces, to our relationships, just about every part of our lives. And that's true for us as a church. We're having to reevaluate what are the things that are really important to us as a church? What is our purpose as a church? How can we be more effective, uh, more focused in what we're doing? And these are these are good things to go through, aren't they? Because they, they refocus our purpose as a church. And that's true for us as individuals too. According to King Solomon, who Many believe wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and I'm not going to get into the scholarly debates about that, we'll just take it as King Solomon. There are only two ways to live and find meaning and purpose in life. One of them is he calls under the sun, which means um, living as though the sun and the creation are the only things that there are. So we can live our lives independently of God under the sun, as it were, as if we're the only sort of thinking, rational beings. Or we can live by fearing God and keeping his commands. And according to King Solomon, if we're going to find true meaning and true purpose, then we will fear God and keep his commands. Verse 13 of Ecclesiastes 12 is really the, um, uh, the purpose of this book. And it says this. The end of the matter, ha- all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commands, for this is the whole duty of of man. Um, Ecclesiastes is part of the body of literature in the Bible called the wisdom literature, which includes Job and Proverbs and Song of Songs. And really, the motto of all the wisdom books is is this, fear God and keep his commands. So if you wanted a sort of a purpose for the wisdom literature, it's this, it's how to live um, with God in the world as it is. The world as it is is both glorious and beautiful. You only have to look outside today um, to to see that, but it's also marred. We've had prayers this morning about India. You know, the creation is both glorious, but it's also fallen. Um, And we see that in the horrendous deaths and things in in India. Um, So, Ecclesiastes teaches us how to live by fearing God and keeping his commands in a world which is both glorious and beautiful. Um, Plenty of secular people who reject God and say, I'll make my own way through life, thank you very much, would insist that they can find meaning and purpose and even freedom that religious people do not have. Um, Often people say, well, I don't need God or a religion to tell me how to live. I am free of all that. I can make my own meaning, my own purpose. Now who is who is right is it people like me saying that the way to find meaning and purpose in life is through fearing god and keeping his commands in other words living in submission to our creator or are the secularists right you know can we find freedom meaning and purpose independently of god who's right here well according to the author tim keller if we define meaning as having both a purpose and the assurance that you are serving some good beyond yourself, then it is possible to find a degree of meaning without any belief in God. You will have plenty of people in your family, your friends, your workplaces, who would say that they find a great deal of meaning and purpose in doing charitable work, or in serving voluntarily, or in their job. You will find them. They're everywhere. And there is a lot of meaning to be found outside of God. We have to admit that. So if your meaning in life is to be a good parent and you do your very best, you will find a lot of fulfillment in that. You'll also find a lot of frustration, by the way. Anybody who's a grandparent and a parent, it never runs entirely smoothly, does it? it? By definition, it can't. You may choose your meaning and purpose in serving a political cause. You may choose to tutor underprivileged young people. You may choose to promote and enjoy great literature. And all of these things give you a great deal of meaning and purpose in life. But Tim Keller argues that the answer is also no, you can't find ultimate meaning independently of God. And that would also be what King Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes would say. You see, in the past, in traditional cultures, we used to be a traditional culture, by the way, not anymore. People used to find meaning in the Bible and in the Christian faith through the Ten Commandments and so on. Now we've become a secular culture. We look to create our own meaning independently of God. People are discouraged from thinking about the ultimate meaning and purpose of life. I find this really frustrating, don't you? As a, as a Christian, I want to have conversations about God and about eternity. My family members want to talk about finding meaning and purpose in this life. Now, I'm happy to talk about food and baking and walking because I love all of those things, right? But I want to get onto the, the big stuff. I want to get on to, but where are you going when you die? What assurance do you have that this life is not all there is? You know, I want to get on to the big questions, but so many people don't ever get around to verbalizing the big questions of life. Have you noticed that? People are happy to talk about meaning and purpose at a surface level, but they don't want to go very, very deep unless they're desperate for help. That's because our postmodern culture doesn't encourage people to ask the meaning of life, whether there is anything beyond this life. Why? Because postmodern thinkers don't have an answer. They know or they suspect that there is kind of more meaning out there than just this life. But they don't really want to ask those questions because it gets us into faith and the existence of God. And a lot of secular thinkers don't want to think about that because it's awkward and they don't, they don't believe in it. So you just kind of bury it and encourage people to find meaning and purpose in charitable work or voluntary work, or find their meaning and purpose in um, their identity in clothing or brands or materialism, whatever it is. But the Bible insists that we were created for more than this life can bring us. Um, some of you say, yeah, you don't need to remind me of that. I've tried everything in life. I've tried everything that life's got to offer, and it hasn't found, it hasn't given me meaning and purpose. Some of you may not be so sure. The Bible says that we were created for a relationship with God. That's what Mark brought out on the, on the video there, wasn't it? In the Garden of Eden, we were created to relate to God, to have a personal relationship with him. And if we don't have that personal relationship with God, we will find a measure of futility, meaninglessness, emptiness in life. Um, Again and again, Ecclesiastes insists that life is temporary. It's like a vapor. It's like a mist that comes and goes. Um, Those that are even older than me will say, and my, uh, my elderly relatives say to me, Martin, the older you get, the faster time seems to go. I don't know if that's true, but that's what they they tell me. Um, And life becomes very transitory for people, doesn't it? They become more and more aware that it's a passing vapour, that it's here one moment and gone the next. Uh, Thomas Nagel, who's a really interesting secular philosopher, um, but he's written an essay called The Absurd, And he says that in order to find any activity meaningful, like work and making money, we must answer the question, what's it all for? So, for example, why work? Um, When the children were very, very small, I mean, talking two, three, four years old, um, they did that really annoying thing. I don't know if you had this with your children or the grandchildren or the great-grandchildren even. I've got to be inclusive. (laughs) Where they, they asked those why questions. And they keep asking them because they're not happy with the answer you've given. Why? And you say, because, and they say, but why? And you answer them again. And eventually you go just because leave me alone. Or I'm the adult. You've got to take it from me. But they're always asking what philosophers would call first order philosophical questions, really awkward ones. You know, the sort of ones that when you go into school as a Christian uh, pastor they'll go who made God it's a great question isn't it and then you give them an answer and they go now why (laughs) we've stopped as a culture asking those sort of first order questions it's a shame isn't it we should be but we're encouraged not to answer them so you might say to somebody um, if you were feeling like a toddler you might say well what's what's the point of you going to work (laughs) and they'd say to find fulfilment in the gifts and abilities that I have, to make money, to care for my family, to create jobs, to create wealth, which is all good things, and to alleviate poverty. Because if I make money, I can create jobs, I can create wealth, I can alleviate poverty through giving to charity. All good things, right? But then you say to them, rather annoyingly, but what's the point of that? For example, if caring for others is your ultimate purpose, then I don't want to be too blunt this morning, but people die, right? And if you say, yeah, but I'm thinking of future generations and grandchildren, -grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren and so on and so forth. I want to help the planet over the long term. You're going to think me really pessimistic this morning. All these things will die one day too, right? In the end, according to Thomas Nagel, the universe gives you an answer. Nothing ultimately makes a difference, right? He writes this, and he's a secularist by the way, not a person of faith. Even if you produce a great work of literature, which continues to be read thousands of years from now, eventually the solar system will cool or the universe will wind down and collapse and all trace of your effort will vanish. Hope you're feeling encouraged. (laughs) The problem is that although there are justifications for most big things, big and small, that we do within life, none of these explanations explain the point of your life as a whole. It wouldn't matter if you'd never existed. And after you've gone out of existence, it won't matter that you did exist. Now, as depressing and kind of weirdly funny, though, that is, you can't deny that it's true nothing matters in eternity because even if you say I'm doing it for future generations or for the future of the planet I'm sorry but the planet will eventually die one day outside of serving God nothing counts forever if you keep asking the why question you get to the place nothing has any meaning and purpose it's all futile And I want us to explore this morning how to live a purposeful and meaningful life that counts for, not just for this life or even for future generations, but for eternity. Much as I'm a David Attenborough fan, I don't agree with his viewpoint. I I want to do all I can to preserve the planet. I agree with all of that, but ultimately, there is no meaning outside of God. Why would we want to save the planet if ultimately it's going to die? So first, we need to see that living independently of God under the sun is ultimately futile. Second, we'll see that life can have eternal purpose. Third, we'll see that we can't find God's eternal purpose without his help. And fourth, we'll see how to live with frustration when we have God's eternal purpose. You'll be pleased to know that my points are not as long as my introduction. (laughs) Do you think... Hang on a minute. What time's this finish? You've got four points. It's okay, I'll, I'll go quick, I promise. So, first of all, living under the sun is futile. Um, like pressing this button. There we go. Living under the sun is futile. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. He was having a bad day, wasn't he, Solomon? <laughs> The Hebrew word for vanity is hevel, which means breath or vapor. Um, like a puff of smoke rising from a fire or a cloud of steam that comes from hot breath on a frosty morning. Been a few of those this week, this last week, have you noticed that? It gets really warm during the day. But when you first go out in the morning, beautifully bright, but you can see your breath. That breath doesn't last long, does it? You see it and then it's gone. Um You try to get your hands on it, it slips right through your fingers. Well, that's what life is like, according to Solomon. Slips through your fingers, it's out of your control. It's there one moment and gone the next, it's transitory. I think every time, I've I've never tired or or never become familiar with this, and I hope I never do. Every time I do a funeral, I become aware of the transitory, vapor-like nature of life. I don't think I'll ever not have that feeling. I feel the, the pain, the weight of the mourning of the people. I feel the sting of death alongside the hope of the resurrection. I hope none of us ever lose that. We are here today and gone tomorrow. It's true. The Bible often compares our mortal existence to a vapor. For example, the book of James says this James uh, chapter 4. We are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Um, the NIV translation, by the way, is meaningless, utterly meaningless. So I've gone for the English Standard Version, which reflects the King James Version, because I think uh, vanity is a better translation. But, it, but vanity can mean meaninglessness, futility. It means that our lives are marked by vanity, futility, meaninglessness. They're frustrating. Um, some people try to find a meaning in what they can know and learn about life. We have so much information these days, don't we? On social media and on the internet. We are saturated in data and I I do get tired of all the social media stuff that's out there and all the internet stuff. I just get weary of it. You know, the more you you research and the more you analyse, it seems to me, in life, the bigger your research, it seems to me it just ends in frustration. (laughs) Uh, I want to follow the news, but I don't want to analyse it too much because it just drives me up the wall. Um, And the writer of Ecclesiastes says this. There is. uh, Hang on a minute. I went on one too far, didn't I? There we go. In much wisdom is much vexation, and he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. That's saying the same thing, isn't it? You can can be oversaturated in information and data, and it just leads to sorrow. Um, Solomon was rich enough to conduct an experiment in life. He tried everything. He tried everything that money could buy, women and uh, luxury. He had it all, food, uh, building projects. But this is what he says at the end of it all. all was vanity in a striving after wind and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. This is a guy who was rich beyond rich, you know? He was, uh, he was your Bill Gates. He, he, he had money to burn, and yet he found no meaning in his work, ultimately. Everything proved frustrating to his soul. And sooner or later, we'll have the same experience in life. We indulge in certain pleasures, we, we look for meaning and purpose in them, we end up more dissatisfied. Or we chase meaning and purpose through our career, through climbing the ladder, and it always feels as though there's, there's more that we could achieve. There's always somebody doing better than us. There's always somebody on social media who's doing better than us, who's having a better life than us. Have you noticed that? <laughs> That's really frustrating. Then there's the biggest vanity of all, the emptiest of all futilities, death. Death is the vanity of all vanities. We're all heading for death, in case you didn't know. So life, however, I'm going to get to some good news in a moment, by the way, in case you're wondering whether you're in church or a depressing workshop here. Life can have purpose, all right? Amen. <laughs> now, this looks like a depressing book on the surface, and it, and it is. The average pessimist, though, I don't know whether you're a half full or a half glass person. Um, I tend to swing towards half empty. Um, that's my default setting. I don't know what you are. I always look for the problems. And my wife will go, yeah, but rightly so. The average pessimist would probably say Solomon is a realist. Some of you are going, no, he's, I don't want to read this stuff. It's depressing. Needs to be said that Ecclesiastes is, is part of the wisdom literature. Wisdom liter- literature is, is, seeks to be realistic about what it's like to live in a fallen and broken world. So you think Ecclesiastes is depressing, you try Job. <laughs> But they they have different nuances, the wisdom books actually. So Proverbs tends to be talking about the generalities of life, the things that are more regularly true, all right? Ecclesiastes tends to focus on the inconsistencies, the frustrations and the futilities of life. So if you're a naturally reflective person, you'll probably enjoy the book of Ecclesiastes. If you're a kind of philosopher, you'll probably enjoy the book of Ecclesiastics. Um, if you're one of these that goes, yeah, life is frustrating, you'll probably be with Solomon. If you've ever wrestled in your mind with the complexities of suffering, um, which I'm sure we all have, you know how can a good and sovereign God allow so much innocent suffering in the world? If you haven't wrestled with that question, you haven't lived as a believer. I wrestle with that. I struggle with that. Now, we have answers, but you're still going to wrestle with that. Um, While it's true that Solomon takes a sober view of life, never flinching from any of its complexities and confusions, he has a solid hope in the goodness of God, as well as a joy in the beauty of life's gifts. Now, the purpose of Solomon's book is to bring us face to face with the futility of life lived under the sun, precisely so that you and I will look for something beyond this life, right? He's a bit of an evangelist. Now, I think this particular evangelist, evangelistic uh, talk from Solomon is where a lot of people in this modern world are at. They've been told that there is only life under the sun, that all that exists, that the only meaning and purpose is life under the sun. They've been told that there is nothing beyond this life. There is no eternity. There's no meaning and purpose beyond the life that you can live in this created world. But do you know what? I think a lot of people don't believe that deep down. They they have an ache in their soul. A lot of secular people are going... Is this all there is? There must be more meaning, more purpose beyond this life. And because, frustratingly, they're not encouraged by our culture to ask us the big questions of meaning and eternity, a lot of them never do. They, They bury themselves in a life of busyness, of distraction, of social media, so that they can avoid those questions. Have you noticed that? Isn't that frustrating? Folks, don't stop praying for breakthrough, for opportunities to talk to family and friends. You know, those <laughs> people, people are so busy these days, aren't they? Um, I, I know it's locked down, but I, I have a horrible fear that we, that we, for all of our talk, that as a culture, we're going to go back to being as busy as we ever were. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is just the, the pessimist in me, right? And you can correct me. I just got a horrible feeling that we're going to go back to how it was before. We're just going to get even busier. In fact, it seems to me the trajectory of life today seems to be everybody's just getting busier and more distracted. You know, we're we're not asking those first order questions. Is there life beyond this life? Is there a God? Because we're not encouraged to. Told you I was a bit of a pessimist, didn't I? (laughs) Um, Here we go again don't get this to move. Yeah, this is a demonstration, by the way, of the futility of life. <laughs> Things don't always go the way you want them to go. Oh, no, that's not it. <laughs> oh, dear me. We, let, I'm going to carry on, right? Thank you. Thank you, John. Can you move me down, John, to we can't find God's eternal purpose for life without his help? I want to get to some good news. (laughs) The the Bible says that we can't find God's eternal purpose for life without his help. Um, And the reason for that is Mark showed us we are cut off from a relationship with God. Ever since the fall, we've been separated from God's presence, Right? We can't get to God without help. The Bible says that creation itself was subjected to futility. Now that word futility is the Greek translation of the word hevel, vanity in Ecclesiastes. Now, there are many things in life that give us a lot of joy. The sunshine, food, family, friends, hobbies even work sometimes right but there is a frustration a futility because all human beings are cut off from a relationship with life which is god ever since the fall but when jesus died on the cross and here's the good news coming he cried out my god my god why have you forsaken me matthew 27 On the cross, Jesus experienced all the separation that our sin had brought between us and God. He was forsaken, cut off, separated from the Father because of the sin of our futility. And he was cut off so that you and I will never be cut off again if we trust in Jesus, right? On the cross, Jesus Christ got life without God so that you and I can have life with God. He, was putting, he, he put himself into the darkness, the misery, the meaninglessness, the futility of our lives so that he could bring us life with all its meaning, purpose, joy, and immortality. Isn't that good news? That's why Jesus died, to deal with the futility that cuts us off from a relationship with God, to deal with the frustration, the, the pain of death. Jesus absorbed all that in his death on the cross for you and me. So what are you going to do about it? <laughs> well, as Mark said at the end of the video, why don't you invite somebody to pray with you at the end of the service? If, you, if you've ever experienced the frustration of life without God, if you're going this morning, do you know what? I think this is a message for me. I think my life should have more meaning and purpose than it has. I want to know that there's life beyond this life. I want to know the one who created me. I want to know the joy of living in relationship with him. Well, you can know that. Why don't you find somebody who's a Christian this morning sitting near you and will allow you to do this because eternal destiny is more important than COVID, quite frankly. Why don't you pray with somebody this morning and invite Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior and enter into eternal life? That would be great. Um, finally, we can live with frustration in this life when we have God's eternal purpose. The truth is that even for Christians, knowing that you're going to heaven, knowing that you have um, forgiveness of sins brings a huge amount of joy and assurance and peace and fulfillment in this life. It does. Ask any Christian. They will have huge amounts of meaning and assurance and purpose. And they will know, as Frida Hammond knew, that this life is the gateway into eternity with Jesus, right? Isn't that wonderful? To know where you're going. <laughs> and Frieda did. She had that peace. She knew that this life is not all there is. And she knew that she was going to be with Jesus. What about you? But, but, as Christians as well as non-Christians, there's still a degree of frustration in this life, have you noticed? <laughs> We're still struggling with anxiety. We're still struggling with physical health problems, right? Um, the alarm doesn't always go off in the morning, and you're late for work, right? Sometimes you you fall, you trip over the pavement on your way to work, and you do yourself an injury, Right? Sometimes you you do your best to raise your kids as well as you can, but things don't go as you'd have liked. Have you noticed that? Sometimes you look at relationships and you say, oh, if only they could stay together, and you feel the pain of broken relationships. I've already said this, but friends and family don't seem to ask you the right questions, do they, about life? Isn't that frustrating? Friends don't give up praying for them. Pray that God would break through and stir them up to ask questions, not only about this life, but about eternal purpose. But here's the good news to finish. Frustration, futility, suffering are not the final word for anyone in this life, right? Through the resurrection of Jesus, the curse of the fall has been turned back. The power of death and decay over the creation has been broken and one day when jesus returns all creation says the bible will be set free from all frustration romans 8:21 one of my favorite verses of the whole bible this says this i promise here we go i'm going to read i'm going to read it out The whole whole creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Isn't that amazing? The whole creation will be set free. When Jesus returns, his faithful people, Christians, will go to live in, in a new heaven and a new earth, in new resurrected bodies that will never die again, never decay again, never get sick again, never need the NHS again in a new heaven and a new earth, where there'll be no more injustice, no more pain, no more tears, no more sorrow, and no more death. That's what Jesus has done to this futile world. And when he comes again, he'll finish the job. But if you're a Christian, that job has already been started. The cross And the empty tomb stand as a symbol that Jesus has already intervened in this world. And one day he will intervene finally to set his creation free and set his people free. Friends, this life is not all there is. I know that you're living with frustration and sorrow. Many of you. Those of you who are grieving. Those of you who see family members going off the rails those of you who have broken relationships in your lives, those whose work situations are so difficult and stressful that you don't know how you're going to face tomorrow morning, quite frankly. But you know, one day you and the creation will be liberated. And that's the good news of the gospel. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the hope of the resurrection Jesus, we bring you our sorrows and our frustrations and our disappointments of living in a broken and fallen world. And Jesus, we just bring them to the foot of the cross. And we say, Jesus, remind us of the empty tomb again. Remind us of the hope that one day all creation and, and our bodies will be renewed. Give us, Fill us with your hope again through your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for those here this morning who are asking that question. What is the meaning of life? Is there life beyond death? Is there a God? Father, I pray that you'd help to open their eyes this morning to see you and to receive you, even for the first time,
1: in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Steve. So let's finish by singing, Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. To this week lord would you just equip us lord give us eyes to see the glory of jesus lord give us hearts that are ready to respond to people as they ask us those difficult questions lord help us to be people who give hope in a hopeless world for we ask it in jesus name amen